to Royal Table Talk. My name is Latoya Conway Hampton and I am your host. And thank you so much for saying yes. I really appreciate the opportunity for you to come on the show and be able to share your strength and your knowledge to make the world a better place. So tell me, who are you and why did you say yes? So my name is Dr. Viola Pierce. I am the owner and CEO of BP Nursing and the Nurse Nurturer. I'm a way to teach nurses how to work from their computers anywhere around the world, make money and owning their own time. And um, the reason why I said yes is because I, you know, during the pandemic, what happened was we were put through a lot of, you know, unsafe staff, staffing ratios. I mean, just crazy. Yes. It was the thing that it was really the cam the straw that brought the camel's back, right? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. with nurses, we have so much knowledge and we just have to learn how to monetize that and be able to package that up and sell it so that we change the face of healthcare as we know it, right? Not just healthcare, but then the change of the, the face of our family's lives as well. And so I figured out a way to go from being a bedside nurse to be a six-figure entrepreneur and I just wanted to teach other nurses how to do the same thing. Wow. So what was the mind shift? So today's conversation, this is a call to action. And the the thought process is how can we give nuggets to our listeners and our viewers to utilize strategies to shift your mind? Because in the pandemic, we went from going into an office where we had employees and a supervisor and very structured environment to being at home on our own. Oh yeah, let me wash the dishes. Well, then I'll do this later. And, and then you have to shift your mind to be somebody and something different. Tell me, how did that work for you? So the way that it worked was that I always had a structure to my day, like from the very beginning with my children, because I had to go through the DMP program. So mm -hmm. I had to have structure. And so I've always had- So tell us, what the, tell us what that program is. We don't know your acronyms. <laughs> So DMP is Doctorate of Nursing Practice. Okay. And so it was, you know, it was a pretty strenuous program and it was just hard to do that, right? Okay. And so because of that, um, you know, I've always had structure. So I've always woken up at four o'clock in the morning because I think best in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then I had to just move. I just had to move that same structure to my business. Because a lot of times what happens is we get out of working for someone else and then we have this negotiable spirit with us. Well, yes. I'm, I'm not going to negotiate with myself. I'm going to negotiate, if I'm going to negotiate with somebody else, it's going to be with somebody else, not with my own, right? Absolutely. And so we, we sometimes tend to let ourselves down and I'm just not, you know, that just, that just wasn't what I was going to do. I was going to make sure that I was not letting myself down. And so um, I structured my day. I, I have a calendar that I structure my day. I'm very analytical, obviously, you know, as a nurse, right? Yes. It's <laughs> so me the ability to structure it in such a way. Yes. So. I, what I love about that is I'm not a nurse, but I function the same way. I worked on a national level, level changing child welfare policies and practices. And one of the best qualities that I gained from them was to use a planner right? Because you think, oh, I can do this. I can remember that. It's nothing like having a planner. And then I tried to get with the millenniums and do it in a cell phone. That don't really work for me. The, the alarms work, but I uh -huh. need the book. I need to turn the page. I need to touch the book. I need to highlight it. That works best for me. And with that being said, I can strategically get a lot done, right? In we, those busy lives. And so 
I think that that would definitely be a nugget. Would you agree to shift in mindset, you know, start to plan your day and stop running off and saying whatever happens, happens because you waste a lot of time that way. But yeah. I think that the, one of the biggest things that was a shift for me is the be doing and having. So Myron Golden talks about this a lot. Okay. So it's becoming who you are so that you can do the thing that you need to do in order to have what you want you need to have. And so I'll just tell you a brief story about how I was in the emergency department. And I, again, I'm very analytical. I'm all about the numbers, right? Yes, so yes. safety depends on the, the expediency of the program, right? Yes. When you come into the emergency department, you, if a patient is having a heart attack, you want to make sure that that patient is getting the, the care that they need to get within a certain amount of time. Strokes the same way. So there were metrics that we measured in the emergency department door to drug, door to admission, door to physician, all those things, door to bed, all those things, right? And so yes. what I was doing was I was making sure that all the metrics were in place, right? Yes. But what I was not doing was I was not taking care of my staff in the process. Whew. And so because I was not taking care of my staff in the process, what happened was they changed the way that it was it was being done. They changed the way the hiring process. And because they changed the hiring process, they went from the management who thought I was great because I was managing the numbers to my peers. My peers didn't think I was so great. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so what they did was they demoted me twice. Okay. And when I got demoted twice, then I said, well, okay, Viola, you need to go back and you need to look at yourself. You need mm -hmm. to understand what, what exactly is going on with you, right? You need to intake that. And so when I said that and I went back and I looked at myself, I started looking up leadership. And so right yes. now, I'm certified John Maxwell speaker, coach, and trainer. But that was because I started looking up leadership. I started reading leadership books and I went to the conference to become a, a, a certified Maxwell trainer. And, and I became a person as a result of that. I would never, if you'd have told me 10 years ago, I would be an entrepreneur. I would have been like, you're a tripper, right? But because of the fact that I became a different person, mm -hmm. I can be, do, have, I have do different things. So now I'm doing a different thing, being an entrepreneur. Yes. So I can have the time that I can spend with my family like I want to. And I don't have to ask anybody whether I spend time with anybody, right? And so I had to do that in order to be where I'm at. So that was part of the mind shift. Sure. That was a major mind shift because what I heard you say was I was working really hard making things happen. However, as long as I was at the top level, but my personal peers wasn't understanding where my mind was. And in order to be a good leader, I have to be able to lead both levels, top and bottom. And there is harmony. There is no balance. There's the harmony, ebb and flow, right? And have to be able to do that in order to be a good leader. So now that you shifted and you've been trained and you're because you already iron, your iron has been sharpened. You've been able to really see some things differently so you can go full fledged to entrepreneurship. I love it. I yes, love yes. it. I love it. I love it. You know, it, it's a it's a fear that comes with entrepreneurship, right? Because am I going to make it? Am I going to do this? Oh my God. Oh my God. Right. Um, when I walked off, of, when I walked off of my job, I told them, I said, you know, 
I, I sprung my shoulder, tore my rotator cuff, and I left that day. And I told my boss, and she knew I was leaving. But because I didn't turn in an extra set of notes, she had to cover her own butt. But I felt disrespected because you said to she said to me when I got back, well, Mr. Toya, I'm going to have to write you up. I said, for what? She said, because we didn't have no proof where you was at the end of the day. I said, what day? The day that you went. I said, you know, I had a doctor's appointment. When I went home. She said, I know, but you didn't turn in your notes. And she she wanted me to sign. I, I've been working for this company 12 years. I had never had a write-up. I was not having it. I got called in the office for being too spiritual, but I had never had a write-up. And so when she did that to cover her own butt, I realized I can't work for people. I need to be able to bring all of me to the table because I was hurt. I work on the weekends. You know, I'm that one that I don't get paid, but I'm going to stay there because you still need me. I'm that one that when they call you in the middle of the night, I'm going to get up out of my bed and I'm going to go make sure everything is okay with my boss because that's who I am. And then you lie because you was covering your own butt. And then she got promoted to the director. I said, oh, that made sense. But I don't have to work for people that don't respect who I am and what I bring to the table. So I agree with you. And I'm so glad you had that aha moment as you tapped into your mind growth. Right. Because once you grow your mind, it can never go back. It's already expanded. It can never go back. And so good for you. I do want to say something about what you said um, as well, because, you know, one of the things that really resonated with me um, with John Max was he has this quote that nobody cares how much you know how, until they know how much you care. Right. Yes. The deal is that you you knew that she didn't care about you. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why you were like, I cannot, you know, go along with this, right? Mm -hmm. Why write you up for something that she was responsible for? That's her mm -hmm. responsibility. Yeah. It should have been her responsibility to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And then come back and say something. I mean, you know, but I just feel like people in leadership get into leadership roles for money, for status, and that's a positional leader, right? That pre prestige, yes. That's the reason why they get into those those leadership roles. And she got into that leadership role for that. Now you understand that. See, the problem was was that you were is is the levels of leadership, right? Mm -hmm. You were a five, and she was a a, a three, right? Mm -hmm. And once you expand, and I'm not saying that you're a five, but you know, from zero to <laughs> So I get you, it. She's a five, right? You can yeah. no longer be a part of that because you understand that you will operate in a very different manner. Very so. different. That humility, that honesty, that stuff is important to me. And when you say stuff about me that's not true, see, I'm not that kind of person because the way my mind is set up. I'm not that kind of person that like cracking jokes on her. Oh, she fat. Oh, she ugly. Oh, I've never been that kind of person. When you start doing all of that, my mind said, you saying that jokingly, but you mean that. So are you the people that I want around me? Absolutely not. So for her to do that, and they know how, they either call me Mama Bear or Mama Toy at my job, Mama Toy. And because I'm everybody's mama, look, I got nine kids and 19 grandkids. And I'm always, I've always had that leadership inside of me. But by the grace of God, I'm learning how to sharpen it up. Because when I first started uh, having staff, Honey, I, the first girl I fired, I went home and cried. 
I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. So, but definitely that mind shift. So tell me another strategy for growing, shifting the mind. Um, I think um, it's definitely the, a couple of things. So circle and representation. Okay. So, you know, I tell people all the time that, you know, I rounded the little corner at the hospital and they, they came on the radio and said that Oprah Winfrey was a billionaire. I was like, a billionaire would it be? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold up. And so I went back and I looked in her um in her past to see whether she had a different past, right? Mm-hmm. Because with me, I had my parents would graduate high school. I'm not only a first generation college graduate, I'm a first generation high school graduate. Mm-hmm. And I felt like because of that, then I was limited, right? I was mm. going to the, the civil rights movement. I'm about to turn 50 this year, right? And so because of that, I felt like okay, there's a white man, white woman, black man, black woman. And I'm at the bottom of that totem pole. I'm never going to make it as high as that, right? But when they said that she was, that representation meant everything to me. Mm -hmm. And so then I went back and I looked in her history and found out that she, her mom and dad met at Oak Tree and that there were some Christmases where she felt food insecure and that she Mm -hmm. didn't know whether she was going to have any any toys or not. I never felt like that. Never, ever you know, my parents were married for 72 years. They provided a loving home. I never felt food insecure. And so why am I making these excuses? The problem mm-hmm. with people is that they make excuses. And the, the deal is that we are just ordinary people making one more extraordinary decision every single solitary day. Yes, yes. Woo! So I love it. That I, I just I knew that I just needed to just move forward in that manner. And I think too, it's your passion. I mean, my passion has always been with nursing. I mean, I felt like I was running, and it almost makes me cry because I felt like I was running for my life. I felt like I was running for my patients' lives. And I don't want any nurse to ever feel like that they have to go in and take an unsafe patient-staff ratio because that's how they feed their family. Mm-hmm, I don't want mm-hmm. anybody to feel like that, ever. Right. Right. And so because of that, I just have this passion for nursing. And the definition of insanity is doing the, doing same, the thing, same thing, expecting a different result. Mm. I've been yes. doing this for the last 30 years, which is how long I have been a nurse. And it has caught, it has gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. And I know that we have got to change the landscape of things. So that's one. So I have a question. You speak a lot of recovery verbiage. Are you in recovery? No. Okay. Well, I am because that process of nobody cares how much you know. You know, that one we use all the time. And then the insanity. So I was like, hey, she's my kind of girl. She speaks my language. So (laughs) I'm recovering from the hospital. That's what I'm recovering from. uh, Well, I'm recovering from domestic violence, sexual assault. I'm a recovering alcoholic and a recovering addict. I am a recovering person. I was illiterate until I was 29. So, and now I'm a two-time author. And I'm excited. So, yes, ma'am. So when you talk about that passion, that passion, that passion, that passion, I understand it. When it comes to domestic violence and sexual assault, baby, I live that every day. 
And I've learned how to separate me from it because of course, in the beginning, it was a challenge. Everything was about me, right? <laughs> like, oh, I gotta, oh my God, I have to. And if I don't, no, put it in place, make it happen. And, um, and then now it's 11 years in the agency and 23 years in the trenches. So definitely God is good all the time, right? All the time. Like what you've been through, that's for sure. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. You know what? I, I have to say this. I've been out that abusive relationship for 23 years. And there was some time in my life where I felt like I couldn't make it. I just was not going to make it. At that time, I had seven children. And I was like, oh, my God, what do I do with these kids? And they coming home with homework that I can't even read, right? Couldn't even read it. And I'm sitting down with them, and they reading it. And once you read it to me, it makes sense. I'm going to help you do this and that. But I was like, uh-uh, they not going to pass me up. And when you speak on the, the knowledge of being the only one in your family to make it to success in your life, understandable, right? Understandable. Uh, when I look at my parents, both of them had their own set of challenges, which a lot of times they do, but they did the best that they could with what they had. And I just utilize it as a launching pad to do something different. So having nine kids was not easy. They're all grown. I have one baby. He's 17. You know what? My, my nest been quite empty with one kid because he act like his, he act like an old man. So he's sitting in his little corner. He like a little old man. But um, am I the one next to my 17 year old is 25. So everybody else is 37 to 25. And just the one that just popped from God said, here you go, baby. Uh, <laughs> But that mind shift has really been amazing because you you talked about going to school and having structure and being able to teach your kids how to have a routine and having a planner and being willing to say, wait a minute, something ain't right. Let me let me dig deeper. And not only deeper, but wider, because sometimes we go real deep, but we don't go wide enough. Right. We just go. We just dig it. No, right. you got to go wide enough so you can process what it is that you're finding. So you're able to assess and make shifts in your life. So I would love for you to give me the third thing that you would share with our guests that, that's very helpful. I think um, for me, it's the circle, your circle. I say this all the time that, you know, you're the sum total of the five people you hang out with the most. And if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And a lot More of times you want to be the smartest person in the room. And I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. And a lot of times we don't want to be humble enough to ask for ask questions. Well, you know, because I'm Dr. Viola Pierce, quote unquote, then you then I'm not supposed to ask questions. If I knew the answer, if I knew if I was where I needed to be, then I wouldn't I wouldn't need to come into the circle. I mean, that's just what that is. Right. And so if I if I if I had in, in me what I needed to be able to do it, I would have already done it. So right. therefore, I need to be humble enough to be asked the questions, to sit back and be the student, and to understand that my circle is my life. Mm -hmm. And so I, my circle, and you talk about, the, and I love how you talked about the people who talk about people who are fat and all that. You know, I, that's not what I'm doing. I, I don't talk about people. I'm not trying to talk about people. I'm trying to talk about ideas. You know, they talk about small minds, talk about people. Middle That's minds, right. <laughs> talk mm -hmm. about events. Big That's minds, right. Talk about you know what I'm saying? So we're, 
it's all about ideas. And so we have to be very in tune to talking about where we need to go as, as women, right? And understanding for us, you know, because my particular genre who I serve is nurses. And as nurses, you know, changing the landscape because it is, it is literally a public safety issue. Wow. You come into the hospital, you need to have a nurse who is nurtured. I started it off as the nurse nurturer. So you need to have a nurse that's nurtured. The nurse don't need to be worried about whether, you know, outside that somebody's going to come and repossess their car. They're not going to be focused on what medication they give. We give medications that can kill people every day, every day. Wow. We don't need to be focused on anything else other than what we are doing at that bedside, taking care of that patient, period. But we have so many other things that we're focused on that we can't do that. I did it for 30 years. Mm. It was like, time is over. Luckily, I didn't harm anybody. Luckily, nobody, you know, was, you know, there's nothing that happened. But now things are happening where, where people are being harmed. And then the nurses are being criminally charged for it. So we had this physician over here that literally gave 14 doses, high doses of medications. Intentionally, he ordered them for the patient. The nurses lost their license and he was not charged. Wow. Uh -huh. However, there was a nurse who accidentally give, gave a medication. She was charged. And it's about to go to jail if they if if nothing else happens. So I mean, you know, it's just it's the way that the system is set up, and I understand that. But nurses have a huge voice because we're the biggest profession in healthcare. So yes. we have the ability to move the needle, but we have to just stand up for that. So mm -hmm. that's my passion. I will stand on it all day long because I don't want any of my family members. I don't want you. I don't want anybody to go into a hospital and get unsafe care, receive unsafe care because of the practices of the hospital period uh, yeah <sighs> it, it reminds me of my son who just died recently well not it's it's 11 years but it's recent enough for me but um the he had surgery and the doctor laid him on his back and had his hand tied his hands tied and when the respiratory therapist came in there she laid him flat on his back and she left his hands loose. And when I came in there, he was choking and he snatched a tube out of his mouth and he died. So um, that is, um, at that point in time, I promise you, uh, ma'am, I didn't want to fight. He'd been in the hospital for 17 months, but I, I saw it. I heard them when they put that BPAP on his mouth, when he snatched his tube out of his mouth, he was yeah. spitting up blood, right? When I hit the corner and I screamed, somebody help him, he's spitting up blood. But because he was in an incubator thing, everybody putting on clothes, doing, you know, what they have to do, protocol. Um, but once they made it in there to him, they just put that big CPAP on his face. I heard it literally bust, bust his lung open. I heard it because they, you know, the lung, you have to fold it over and that you can't sew it because of the material that it is, it sells but they had just went and cut it and fixed it and then when they blew that big thing in there i heard it i said what is that noise it was coming from his stomach i heard it and he never woke up from that i saw the little lady 
the lady who came because she knew me because I've been in there 17 months. And she said, how are you? I said, I'm fine. I wanted to attack her. I kid you not. But I was like, let me just pull it together. Maybe it was something else. Everything was fine. But when they put that big thing on him and blew that air in there, it blew that lung open. And he never, and you can live with one lung. I know that. But he had issues going on. But the way that thing blew through there, my baby never woke up. He never woke up from that. So I was just sharing this. I, I'm, I'm trying to stay focused. Um, but I was just sharing this with a lady a couple of days ago. It's, it's so strange that we're having this conversation again. It must mean that it's time for me to go back and at least talk to the respiratory therapist so they could do some more training, right? Because I, they can't pay me enough to bring my son back. But what you can do is train them wherever those kids are laid the way the doctor left them. My son was 12 years old. He should not be able to tell you that he didn't want to, um, he wanted to lay back. Cause she asked him, cause she, I'm right in front of the door and on her way out, she said, see you later. She said, um, I asked him, did he want to sit back up? He said, no, he wasn't talking, but he was nodding because he was under a little where he was functioning. But be that as it may, you're so right. And I am so glad you just brought me a step closer to you. I am so glad that you brought that to my attention in that way, because I never looked at it that way. I looked at it like it's negligent. I should have gouged her eyeball. I was so hurt, so hurt, right? He fought cancer. You know, he had no cancer when he died. Um, the aspergillus fungus was cut out. I mean, everything was fine. And then that happened. I mean, I said, God is all divine. It wasn't meant to be, but you know, it's still, it was negligence. It really was. And you know, she don't know about it because it took everything out of me not to grab her. I was just that upset after he died and I, I come downstairs to eat and you sitting in there eating your food. My baby is gone, ma'am. So yeah, but thank you for making sure and giving them a voice. Um, hopefully they'll move to more training, 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 taking care of the people so they'll know how to take care of our guests. You know, I, I think it's, it's beyond training. I think it's, it's you know, it's the care of the, the staff. But, you know, I hate that that, obviously I hate that that happened to your son. I hate that that happened to your family. There are times when that happens and you just like you literally, you don't know where to go and what to do. And, um, you know, I just, I applaud you. I applaud you because you did have that restraint. Because, you know, life is 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how we react to it. Mm -hmm. I applaud you for your, you having that restraint. I applaud you for not doing anything in that moment. Because I would have been in jail. Right. And I don't believe that she went to, to work that day saying that she wanted to harm mm -mm. her son. She did not. She did not. But, and, and that's, I don't think so because me and this little lady have been talking every time she see me, hi, you know, how you doing, ma'am? And she's going about her little business. But I think that, I think that if you go in a room and a doctor have a kid tied, his hands tied up, it's tied up for a reason. Right. right. And I could even see the fact that he didn't want to lay down. He didn't want to sit back up because he, when I came, he was flat. I could see that. But if his hand was tied, it was tied for a reason. It right. was tied so he wouldn't take the tube out. 
and he snapped once he started choking i seen him when i hit the corner he was spitting up on he was spitting up blood and it scared the crap out of me but um so we're gonna probably have to edit that well maybe not because it goes to what you're really talking about um you know care um yes. making sure that our nurses are taken care of and one of the things that i get to do with the nurses here at two lifestyles some of our nurses are alcoholics and addicts and um i drug test them and i get to pour in love to them when i when i'm with them you know like i had two yesterday and they're so distraught about losing their license and all these things but i'm like you got to take care of this addiction first because you cannot work with a nurse if your mindset is not on the right path right um and my mother is an alcoholic and addict and she was a nurse and so ain't no way i won't know <laughs> not my mother drunk working on me absolutely not just yeah. no so it's a lot of other things so i commend you on what you're doing to to work to be supportive it's important it's so well, important you on you know just bringing light and working with you know those who are addicted because it's a passion yours you are working it out so kudos to you <laughs> for sure uh well, thank you. I need to be on your team. Somebody need to teach me how to make money. I know how to be a humble servant. I've been a counselor for a long time, a long time, but I have not learned how to monetize it in a way that's equitable. I have not because the women that come in here, I'm okay. I see the clock. The women that come in here, I service them. And then they come with these long drawn out stories and I just want to hug them and service them. And then they go out the door and they knew people and I'm still here. You know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to do shift my mind another level. Stretch me, Lord. Stretch me. Because my thing is I need to be a humble servant. I need to be a humble servant, but I also have a family. That's right. So that's that's where I'm moving to. So help, <laughs> you can help the old lady. Well, you ain't an old lady. I think we're about the same age. I think we, we're right there together. No, ma'am. I'm older. Okay, all right. Well, you can't be much older. <laughs> I, I'm 52. I'm just 52. And I am close to fit. I turned 50 this okay. year. <laughs> Congratulations. It was the best thing, honey. I love it. I love it. So as we close, this was amazing. And thank you so much for your insight. And thank you so much for the opportunity to look at it a different way. Again, shifting my mind, right? Shifting my mind. Because if you're constantly worrying about, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to hear it, I got to do this. She probably didn't even think or was reminded in her mind that his hand was tied. You know what I'm saying? Because that's been in me. Like, tie it. Why you didn't tie his hand up? I just keep saying it to myself over and over again to take away the guilt, the fact that I walked out of the room and left him in there. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, it's a big deal. Because when she came in there and they done one like, four hours before that and every, and every time they move him he go mm, mm, and i was like i'm not watching this again i'm gonna step out you know my mindset if i would have stayed in there i would have said hey don't forget to tie his hand back up but i would never know because it didn't happen so i learned to forgive myself and move on and forgive her and move on and now see it differently so thank you for stretching my mindset to see something beyond my dreams my vision because there was a part of my book of about um, he's my son. That's a book I'm gonna write about my son. He's my son, and um, she would have been in it in a different light. So thank you. And I think that you know you said something very important about forgiving yourself and mm -hmm. forgiving her. You know yes. because 
forgiveness is like eating the poison, expecting the other person to die. And it's never going to happen. So it is super important. So I'm super glad. This is fun. Uh, you know what? I agree. Okay. Did you think it was, what did you think it was going to be? Tell me. Um, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I knew that it was stressing out the mind, but I, it was just fun having a conversation with you and learning yeah. all these life experiences and just connecting, right? right? Because, you know, understanding the humbleness behind your platform and understanding everything that you're doing. So kudos to you. Kudos to you. And kudos to you too. We actually have kudos we give to our staff in the office. We make sure people get kudos when they do a good job. So I think that that's important. Um, and if you can say anything to our, our viewers or our listeners, what would you tell them on how to shift that mind? Because you definitely helped me shift mine. I would say that when you're shifting your mind, it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. Mm. But it is necessary if you want to grow. You just have to look at things differently. <laughs> if what you have been doing is not working, then you have to change. You have to shift from that place and get around people who give you a different perspective. That's your circle is super important. You know, you have no squares in your circle. Books are the blueprint of life, okay? Mm -hmm. So understanding that the more you read, the more you earn, the more you learn, the more you earn. And just really being around people who are pouring into you is super important. Not the people that are the ride or dies, not the people who are going to put up with everything that you have done and then let you be, right? You have to be around people who are going to stretch you, who are going to make you feel uncomfortable, who are going to make you grow from the place in which you are at. And I want to say this. To whom much is given, much is required. That's a Bible verse. And I've been given an opportunity to stretch my mind beyond my wildest dreams. And I remember when you talk about the more you learn, the more you earn. I remember not being able to read. Like, I'm, I'm going to do some jerry curls. And that's what I did. I did jerry curls and pedicures. I sold contact lenses. I was like, you know what? I need to make some money. And then after graduating the domestic violence program excuse me i decided that i wanted to go back and support them but i have to be educated enough to support them and so i did and so now my mind growth is working from a different platform because i could do trench work real well but now it's time to move expand. to the next level expand my mind absolutely this right here is expansion honey and this came from my tech guy now i had a lot of equipment where i did this but it wasn't via zoom like this set up this way and it's amazing it's amazing and thank you so much for being a part of our call to action because with a platform like this we're able to reach many their cell phones, in their cars, doing laundries at school, in their ears. I mean, we can help them change the way they look at themselves as well as stretch their mind. So my name is Latoya Conway Hampton. I'm your host, and thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful day.